What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome for your first time. It is I, Ryan Westa, host of Neanderthal Podcast. Uh, this is a fun one. We have episode 188 with Jamie Campbell. If you want to find his stuff online, you have to do Jamie Campbell comedy, and all the stuff will come up. Jamie Campbell, Jamie Camey. Oh my God, Jamie. CampbellComedy.com. Listen, you guys try and say that on a microphone. All right. Very funny human being. I enjoyed talking to him and I enjoyed watching his clips. This guy's a great actor. He is a great, funny actor. I could see him in like a movie like with Jim Carrey with like me, myself, and Irene. Like great facial expressions, great body language. Just he knows what's funny. Uh, and he has a stand-up show, kind of one-man stand-up show type thing uh, right now called Big Dad Energy. BDE, baby. We've talked about that on the show before. You've heard it. Uh, and then he's doing this uh, the BDE show for KC Fringe Fest. Uh, I'm just now kind of getting hip to what KC Fringe Fest is. And it sounds like a really good time. So if you're in Kansas City... This week, this is why I'm putting this episode out. We just talked yesterday, if you're listening to this, um, like five minutes ago, if you're talking to me right now. Uh, I just had this conversation with him, and I'm just now learning about KC Fringe Fest. It's a fun idea. There's all kinds of good art and culture around the city that you can go check out. One-man shows, one-woman shows, uh, films, comedy, art, Check it out. Go to caseyfringe.org and you can get all the different dates. It's starting right now. If you're listening to this right now, you have like a whole, I think, two weeks left of KC Fringe. There's something going on. Check their schedule out and just see what they got going on. You don't have to see Jamie Campbell, although he puts his information in here. And it's I'm, I'm going to go see him on, I believe it's uh, the 27th of July. It's a Wednesday. And then he's doing the next couple weekends at the Unicorn, which is on Maine. I think like 39th and Maine or Westport, Maine, something around there. Uh, I think I've babbled long enough. I hope you enjoy this episode. He's a very, very funny person. And he's been at the game for a long time. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope you check him out one way or another. If it's at Fringe Fest or if it's his YouTube, check him out. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, that's it. I'm out of here. Episode 188. Oh, wait, one more thing. I always forget to, uh, you know, plug myself. Ayo! Uh, Patreon.com slash Podcast. You can catch the full video version of this and all episodes there for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, if you kick me $5 a month, well, you get some bonus things. What are those? I don't know. I'll figure it out. Go over there and get yourself a magnet and extra content. I love you all. Bye. Welcome to the Inner Talk Podcast. Well, no topic is off limits. Now here's your host, Mind Daddy, and Void Soul. Thank you for coming to the Inner Talk Podcast. Boom, talk, boom. In three, two, one. Salute, Jamie Campbell. Not to be confused with Jamie Campbell Bo Bowers. Bowers. Yeah, that dude's a British heartthrob, and people will find me on Twitter and think that I'm him 
until they'll see a picture of me, and I'm clearly not a heartthrob. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. You're a handsome man. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate someone, that. Someone wrapped you up here recently. That's so. right. I am newly married. Yep. Yes, he is. <laughs> well, welcome to Neander Talk Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, my people know how I feel about the whole marriage thing. I've talked enough about it. Yeah. All right. Well, it's still pretty fresh and new to me, so I'm I'm happy. Uh, but I'm not scared of cynicism, so that's all good. Yeah. No, it's good for people that can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing against it, really. I'm just I just like to be anti-marriage as a. I don't know. It's a fun aesthetic to have. Yeah. As someone that was burned by it, I guess. <laughs> all right. So you are. I so the reason why I found Jamie Campbell Bowen, what is it? Bo- Bo- Bauer. Bauer. Yeah, you were really hard to find. I was trying to look you up on this. So yeah, you got to do Jamie yeah. Campbell comedy. Yeah, that's and then your stuff. Oh, you're hilarious. Oh, thanks, man. You're a very funny guy. I appreciate you got it. some good reels out there. Your comedy reel, just like you just uh, or not your comedy reel. Um, oh, the acting cam- one. The yeah. acting one. You do a lot of acting. I do a fair amount of acting. Uh, even won a couple awards this year for some like indie flicks, which is kind of cool. Oh. Yeah, I did a, um, a film called Millennial with a Cane, and I play this guy that is a, an MS support group uh, leader, and uh, it was a smaller role, and I was really surprised to find that the Sunnyside Up Film Festival in Oklahoma had nominated me for Best Supporting Actor in a Feature Film, and then oh, wow. I didn't even bother going, because I was like, I'm not going to win, it's a smaller role, and then the director texted me, he's like, holy shit, you won, and I was what? Whoa, congratulations. Thanks. What do you get for that? Uh, I got a nice little trophy uh, and just a pat on the back because um, it's, it's a smaller film festival. But something like that is nice because a lot of indie filmmakers might see that or, or, or see the award. It, it kind of just uh, maybe gets my name out there a little bit more. It doesn't make me famous, but it might make somebody that's a filmmaker look at me a little closer and, you know, maybe make some opportunities come up. Yeah. You've got some, you make funny faces. That's, that's my bread and butter. Okay. <laughs> It's like I, you remind me, and like I think would be like the perfect role as like a Nickelodeon dad. Oh, I would love to play a Nickelodeon dad. Nickelodeon, call me up. Uh, I'm friends with a guy that played a principal on a Disney show, uh, The Wizards of Waverly Place. I don't know if you, you remember that. I Selena know, Gomez. I know of it. Is that did they have the boys? Were there boys on there too? The, there uh, were. It was a, a gender fluid show. Oh, well, you there know were what boys, I mean? Like, girls, Zach, wizards. Zach and, or Wizards of Waverly Place. Oh, you thinking Zach and Cody, The Sweet Life? Maybe that. No, maybe. I don't know. I've, I've had another. I had a, it's funny. I just brought her up last episode too. She was on like an, kind of like a side extra, like a side scene on a couple of those Disney shows of either Wa- Wizards of Waverly or Zach and Cody or something Maybe like iCarly. I get, I get Disney and Nickelodeon confused, so I might even be. I think they're the same, Nick. aren't they? I, I mean, they're for children, so the genre, I guess, is the same, right? Yeah, I mean, just I, is that like I feel like that's that whole Orlando area, anyways. Yeah, like Nickelodeon's like isn't that Orlando? Nickelodeon used to be at Universal Studios uh, when I lived in South Florida. When we'd pop up to Universal Studios, I remember they had like the Nick Studios, and you were supposed to be able to like go in and get slimed. My dad would always be like, "We're too busy to get slimed," and I'm like, "You just don't want me walking around with slime." Have kids and you'll understand that for sure. Yeah, there's no way. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I and now you try to try taking your kids to D- 
Disney World or anything like that this day, you've got to sacrifice one of your children to go to it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's expensive. And not only, because when you're a kid, too, the dream experience when you go to Disney is not just to go to Disney. You want the full experience. You want to buy the little hat with the mouse ears. You want the the churro. Uh, you want, yeah. uh, you know, all the pictures with the, the characters and all the rides that you sit on for three hours uh, or sit in line for three hours to go on. And they're not even that good. They're so quick. Yeah, they're not even that good. You got Space Mountain, or is that what it's called? Yeah. That was fine. And then there was like the train one. It's like a train down a mountain. Oh, is that the Matterhorn? I don't know if that was the name of it. It just looks like an old school steam engine train. And it's got like desert looking uh, scenery stuff and just it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I, in my mind, I think it's called the Matterhorn, but Maybe I could it be is. wrong. I don't know. I think that's the name of the, the fake mountain. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. And then there was a. Uh, What's the other one? The Viking ship. The Viking ship was good. Oh yeah, there's a. It's a small world. That's uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. I think they just redid that or something. Yeah, I once did uh, acid at Disney World. No, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was 18 years old. They they used to do an annual thing called Grad Night, and Disney would like basically keep the park open overnight, and high school seniors all over Florida would go in, and they brought in bands. 98 acid for those who are all much younger. Acid in the 90s was a big, like, 98 was probably, 98, 99, 2000 were, like, peak years I'm, for acid. Rave acid culture. Was, yeah. Was huge. It was acid and ecstasy, right? Yep. Um, so, for grad, like, the, the police showed up before our bus left the high school parking lot, and they had drug dogs, so nobody could sneak any marijuana or alcohol in. They knew that teenagers were going to want to do that, but they can't smell LSD. Can't smell acid. And so my friend was like, you want to try acid? And I was like... Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're going to do it, why not do it when you're going to a place called the Magic Kingdom? Yeah. That is a per- that was the first time you ever did acid? Yeah. Whoa. I was like I got nothing to lose. Somebody else is driving. Let's do this. Was it a, what was it the ta- like the paper or Yeah, it was just a, a paper. It was just like I think I just did like one tab. Well, so how did it go? Uh, it was great. Uh, they used to have a ride there called Alien Encounter too, which was awesome. It had really just kicked in oh. when we got on there. Uh, the giant teacups, amazing. <laughs> you know, the Hall of Presidents, where there's just holograms of old presidents. Oh, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, my my ex girlfriend at the time, she heard like word had gotten around that that people were doing acid, and I was one of them. And she came <laughs> up to me, and I remember she stared at my my dilated pupils, and she goes, "I'm so disappointed in you." Oh. and I just cackled and laughed. <laughs> but the the Backstreet Boys were there. Oh, they brought in bands for the night and they were the headliners. Whoa. So, yeah, I watched the Backstreet Boys while on acid at Disney. That's peak peak Backstreet Boys back then, too. Wow. Oh, yeah. What an interesting time. <laughs> it, was. it was a good time. I feel sorry for people that weren't our age in the 90s. It was just a wild, <laughs> wild time. Yeah. Anything went. It was. Yeah. I, the, the Internet was new enough that people could still connect uh, and cable and satellite TV were letting culture hit the world at a, at a pace that it had not hit, but accountability wasn't there yet. Well, that's true. Yeah. MTV was real. MTV, VH1, BET was throwing all these cultures out there. And, and, the, and it was like the young American culture, you know, it was like spring break. Oh yeah. It was like, yeah, late mid nineties, late nineties, like what that culture must've, how it must've shaped. I mean, well, look at it. Look, look, look how is it shaped? Look at us now. Right. Well, I mean, it was, it was Generation X going like, we're just going to we're going to cut loose and not worry about a career. Slacker culture had come in. And, and I think something about Generation X was like, 
we're not looking for a 20 to 30 year job because we see how miserable our parents and our grandparents are after working that. So we're going to start living in the moment. I think we saw a lot of that and nobody was getting called out on the internet yet. So people were making bold, <clears throat> aggressive choices. That's a good, yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. Bold choices for sure. Yeah. We were just reckless cause we could yeah. and we had access. Yeah. And I don't even think, because I was like that. I was really living in the moment always. And like one of my just things in the back of my head, head was I just, I didn't want to regret anything when I'm older and look back and I'm like, you should have done this when you're young and healthy and able to do whatever you want. Oh yeah. And now I've got back pains and yeah. I go, well, maybe I should have chilled out a little more. Yeah. Maybe it was, you know, there was that big thing back then. Oh, if you take the acid, it's got strychnine in it. and It'll mess with your spinal cord. Maybe that's why we all have back problems in our 40s. Yeah, maybe that's it. It's all that strychnine. Just one time at Disney and I'm... <laughs> was that the only time you did it? No, I, I did it another <laughs> time in college, uh, but it was never like a big thing. I was never somebody that was major into drug culture. But when I was a young, like I, I dealt with some problems at home and I was like, I kind of want to, when I was, I'd say probably between 17 and 21, like I wanted to try everything. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I tried most things. I didn't, I never put a, you know, I, I never did any aggressively hard, uh, drugs, but I, I did plenty of booze and I, I went to a lot of concert festivals, uh, Ooh, yeah. had a lot of late nights that I don't remember. <laughs> so part of that slacker mentality is that why you gravitated towards comedy? Yeah. Well, you know, I, um, I started college and didn't know anybody. And so I auditioned for a play and I didn't realize it was a professional gig. And I ended up uh, getting hired, and the director was a Tony-nominated actor, and I met all these performers, and I fell in love with the idea of a career uh, in the arts. Like, there were a lot of nomadic performers that were like, I've traveled all over, and that really captured my imagination. And so I ended up with a degree in theater, and I uh, dropped out of graduate school to go to Chicago because I got accepted to the Second City. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a legendary program. I mean, their theater started... Uh, and like throughout the years, the amount of people that have either <laughs> trained through their training center or performed in their touring company or their main stage show include so many people that were on Saturday Night Live yeah. or have had epic uh, film comedy careers. You walk through their hallways and you see these photos of like all your comedy heroes from when you're a kid is wild. Who are some of your comedy heroes? Oh man, People like uh, Bill Murray, uh, Dan Aykroyd, those early SNL uh, folks, uh, you know, I mean, when I was younger, Mike Myers, Wayne's world was such a huge thing when I was a kid. Um, and, uh, you know, more recently, you know, people like Stephen Colbert, uh, some of the stuff that like that Tina Fey era of Saturday night live, I really enjoyed. And those were people whose faces were all on the wall, Steve Carell. And I remember walking in knowing that I'm about to start this training program there and seeing all these people and going, wow, like, am I peeing in the same urinal? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. That must be cool. And then, so where did you go after Chicago? Uh, well, I was in Chicago for eight years. Oh, wow. And it was a great, it was all, that was the real grad school for me. Um, and the best comedy that I found there was not the stuff that was happening in these big legendary theaters. It's the independent stuff, the, the punk rock version of comedy. Okay. The you know, One of the best places to see performances there was an old attic that they transformed into a performance space. And the only way to find out about the shows was to message them. They would do like a Facebook post. It was like, show tonight, message us for details. Wow. And it felt like underground, like you were going to a a comedy speakeasy. Right. And people were taking risks, doing weird characters, strange sketches, 
that might not fly for a normal audience, but everybody that felt like we were part of this secret society okay. loved it. Uh, so would you, so there's different kinds of like comedy, obviously. Are you, so what was it like improv or stand up or acting? Like what's your kind of, yeah, I, I do all of it. I'm uh, I'm polyhumorous. Okay. Nice. And, I like uh, that. Uh, I started off doing a uh, kind of improv and sketch comedy through the, the second city's comedy studies program. And then I started doing in 2008. So I started, I guess 2007 was when I started doing improv. I'd already been a theater actor um, and then started creating shows with uh, a couple of sketch groups that I'd formed. And then in 2008, a year into that is when I started doing stand up comedy as well. And I get something different out of all of it. Uh, and, and it kind of one art form will shape the other. And for me, I'll, I'll get bored, I think, if I was just doing one. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm constantly... Do you have a favorite? Ah, it varies. Mm. Right now, I'm really into the the stand-up show that I've uh, been working on, kind of writing. I, I wrote a lot of it during the lockdown. And I'm really excited to debut that for an audience. And it's mostly stand-up, but there's also some storytelling. And I've got a couple of songs that I kind of bookend it oh, with. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, and... I, I feel like there are a couple of sketch comedy elements as well uh, where I, I, I it's just me, but there's like a moment where I'm, you know, as I'm telling a story, I try to jump in to the characters to kind of give a, a little bit more of a layer. To okay. The it sounds more like a one man show kind of. It, and it, it is. It, it is a one man show, but a lot of it. I mean, it's going to feel like a stand up show. Right. Okay. Um, when when is this? So you got this. So you're here to kind of promote the Fringe Fest, the Kansas City Fringe Fest. Yeah. Which um, I've heard of. I think I might have had someone uh, on here before that's going to be performing to that. Remember uh, the <clears throat> the one woman Matik Makita or Matik? Remember she does the she'll do the fire, she'll hula hoops and all that. She'll swallow swords and all that. Oh yeah, that sounds absolutely like a fringe show. Like th- all right, I think she'll be there. Yeah, I mean, there are like fifty-seven different productions. I think with over three hundred and fifty artists, over thirteen venues, and you'll see like a little bit of everything. Sometimes like. There'll be magic shows, stand-up comedy, Ooh. storytelling, uh, traditional theater, weird avant-garde theater. Uh, if if you can put it in front of an audience, you'll find it at a fringe festival somewhere. All right, and this is the Kansas City. I wish I don't know much about it. I wish I knew more. Well, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, um, or, you know, as someone I I love Kansas City. I'm about this city. I say all that, but I don't know much about this. I feel like a fraud. Oh, it's all good. I mean, I I think there are a lot of people that probably don't know. But once you know about Fringe, I highly recommend checking it out. Just Like, even if you don't check out my show, check out something there. And the website, kcfringe.org, it's a really cool site. Because if you just click on find a show, you can scroll down and you can select, like, by date. If you only have this date available. Okay. uh, And it'll give you all the shows on that date. Or if there's a venue you want to check out, it'll tell you everything that's at that venue. Or you can just go through all all the shows so the fringe fest isn't at one location it's a at all throughout the city there's different venues yeah, holding different parts that are associated with this 13 different uh venues usually it's uh, a combination of like traditional theaters that are doing plays and musicals throughout the year and then a lot of kind of alternative and interesting spaces i think where the kansas city ballet uh performs they they're a venue um i'm going to be at the unicorn theater on main street the bird comedy theater is a venue um, the Black Box on Troost uh, and the Black Box in the West Bottoms. Oh, wow. Uh, and those are just a few of the venues. The Unicorn, that sounds very familiar. Main and what, do you know? Uh, I, it's it's on Main, Main Street. It's it's close to 
I, I want to say... I feel like it's in pictures. About West... 39th... Uh, it sounds like around around 39th and Main Street. 39th or Westport Road or something like that over there. And yeah, I think I know where it's at. <clears throat> okay, when will you be there? When is your show? My show is... Uh, I've got five <clears throat> different performances. The first is going to be this Friday, the 22nd at 6.30. The thing about The Fringe is everybody gets a spot that's kind of a primetime spot. So everybody's schedule is like at different times. So... Uh, I'm this Friday, the 22nd at 6.30, Saturday, the 23rd at 8 p.m., and then Wednesday, the 27th uh, at 8 p.m. as well. Then Friday, the 29th, I've got a late show at 11 o'clock. So if you got other stuff coming on, uh, you know, Friday night, you know, ditch the date if the date doesn't go well. Uh, or if the date's going great, be like, you want to keep this going? Yeah. Let's go see this show. Uh, and then Saturday, the 30th uh, is my closing night at 6.30 p.m. Sweet. There's something out there for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Weekends are great, but if not, weekends suck for me, but weeknights are my jam. Well, when's, I got a Wednesday so you night You got show. a Wednesday. You got something for everybody. Yeah, hump day. All right. I might, well, I think I might know what I'll be doing that Wednesday. That's the 27th? Yeah, 27th. Nice. Yeah, I got a, I got a ticket with your name on it. All right. Well, it's not really, I, but I'll write it on there. Write it on there. That'd be yeah, cool. I'm going to yeah. frame it when I'm there done with go. it. Um, so what else is, so your, your show, it's, I love the name of it. I, I, I got it when you big dad energy, B D E. That's right. Yeah. Big dad energy. And the, the catch, uh, is that I'm not a dad. Uh, and that's kind of what the show is about is I realized like my wife and I, we didn't meet each other till we we're in our forties, the biological clocks ticking. And we didn't like decide we weren't two people that were like, we're never having children, but we also were people that like. If you have not gotten married yet and you're in your 40s, you've at some point decided like maybe kids are not in the cards for me. So you've kind of come to grips with that. And so as we were, you know, like getting more serious in our relationship, we, we just kind of had a conversation. They're like, well, we're not ready for kids now. And by the time that we might be, it might be too late. So I think we're just kind of letting the clock run out. And nice as you realize that, like, I'm not going to be a dad uh, or most likely not going to be a dad. Like there's a little bit of mourning that's in there because okay. if you expect that maybe that's in the cards for you, there are certain parts of life that you imagine, you know, you imagine raising your kid, tucking them into bed at night, those awesome stories that were part of your childhood. You imagine sharing those with them, teaching them to play catch, just, you know, teaching them lessons and being proud of them as you send them off into the world and then realizing that that's not for me. I got to go like, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to leave a legacy? And so, uh, I, you know, share a little of my wisdom during the show. I literally tell audience members that I'm proud of them and uh, then just kind of give my own fatherly advice because I'm not going to give it to my kids. So I got to give it to somebody <laughs> <laughs> like true fatherly advice. Yeah, a little bit of it, I think. All right. What's uh, I'm not asking you to give away your bits or anything like that. But what's a one piece? Of oh, man. I mean, you know, we, we got to start listening more. You know, uh, I, I think as a society, we 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 tend to get so set in our point of view that we stop growing and stop learning. And I think we got to do a better job of listening to people. When people that are marginalized start going, Hey, you're hurting us. And this sucks. I, I think we got to stop and go, Oh, am I rather than going, no, what I'm doing is fine. Like, let, let's take a moment. And cause I think if we, if we don't listen to each other and, and we don't grow and change from what we're hearing, then maybe we're missed the point of being a human being in the first place. Yeah. How do we how do we get there though? Like how do we get to a place where we do listen because that's not in our culture anymore? Because like we brought her up earlier, because of the internet, like what we what our generation spawned with the internet might have been 
a huge detriment to humans as we know it or as we knew it. When you look at rage culture now and Mm -hmm. clickbait culture and people not listening and people just reading salacious headlines and not getting involved with the story or the retraction of said story if it were to come out. And it's just all this, you know, like you got these marginalized people like you're saying and then the people that are against what they're saying. And then you just it's just out and it begins this outrage culture online where no one's listening to each other. Yeah. And we get because it's we have such an ease of access of getting into these little echo chambers online we just get kind of in our own little bubbles and groups because of the way everything is structured online yeah. it's like well, how do we get back to just listening and being civil yeah absolutely this I, is I, my I think, part my podcast is my part in that right yeah i mean it is because you uh, literally that's how you consume a podcast is by listening well i, I just do it because i miss these conversations i miss looking someone in the eye and talking to them face to face and having a real talk about real life things you know like without looking at our phones every 30 seconds yeah, without getting ye- distracted or yeah just- yelling at each other in the comment section we're actually looking listening and responding to what each other's saying yeah i feel like that's become conversations becoming a lost art in exactly. some ways exactly i i think that like i think the younger people the, the this like generation z and millennials i think they are changing the world for the better i think time's gonna tell but i think when we look back we're gonna realize like these guys are working to to call out and dismantle systemic oppression of all kinds. They're changing the conversation around mental health, making it okay to go to therapy. That's true. Making it okay to be a unique, weird person, like <laughs> fat shaming, slut shaming. Those are things that they're going like, we're not doing that anymore. We're, we're getting rid of that. And suddenly yeah. like, it's okay to just be who you are. And that's that younger generation doing that. Generation X didn't do that. We kind of stood around. I'm trying to do that. I, come on, sluts. Holler at me. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a slut shamer. I, I will do a little bit of fat shaming here and there. But yeah, eh, not in like a horrible way or not to just anybody. But if, if I can feel if I feel like I can do it to somebody that it might work on them. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, that's the thing. It can work. Oh, so you're you're like uh, one of those Tucker Max neg persons that like I don't know who Tucker Max is. Uh, he was. Uh, I'm not I, saying the chicks. I'm not. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, but I'm saying like you know if I got a fat friend. Oh, I see. You know, I used to give my brother a shit. You know, he started getting a little portly, and I'd give him a little shit. He's she's looking good now. Oh, I, I'm not I saying see. it's just because of me, but you know, people. If you got oh, a good man. friend, I'm not going to call. Just a random fat person down the street. Hey, you're fat. Go work out. Right. But, you know, I'll be like, hey, hey bro. Oh, sure you need man. that extra piece? You know? Oh, man. Yeah, no, and, and I, I I can see both sides of the argument for that as a big dude myself. All I'm saying is it can know. work on some people. Sure, yeah. Me, it just makes me go, I have to disengage with you, and I'm going to eat twice as much and just sit in shame and wallow. Because I was... Despite you watch this, I'm oh, going to even fatter, you motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was the fat kid. And and so now, like... You're not fat, though. Oh, thanks. You're I husky. That. That's the genes that they used to give me when I was a fat kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was husky genes. You're not fat. You're just... Uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Thick. Oh, thanks. Yeah, T H I C C, baby. Yeah, yeah. You're not. I wouldn't call you fat. <laughs> thanks. Uh, yeah, I. It was an adventure. I mean, I like little Debbies. They were the. They were like my kryptonite as a kid. I would look at the picture on the box, and she looks like she's doing great. 
You know, she's thin. That's not a oatmeal which cream ones, pie which face. Which do you like? Which little Debbie? Because they, they, they make all kinds of snacks, right? Oh, yeah. I, me, I, it was all about the oatmeal cream pies. Really? Oh, yeah. I like the star cakes, too, though. Um, and the, the is it Star Crunch? Is that what it's called? Star Crunch. Oh, dude. The Rice Krispie chocolate thing. Yeah. That was my jam. I did like that. My grandma would just have boxes of them in her closet. And, like, when I became an adult... She would still stock her like kitchen like she had five kids and all the grandkids there when it's just her in an apartment. And so then I would I would stop by on my lunch break. Uh-huh. I, I like worked in a town that she lived in when I was nineteen, and I would just go to the closet and just eat them by the box. <sighs> That's a dang, yeah, I could do that too. I just polished off. Uh, there's these things called what are they, king dong king dongs. King Dongs, I think that's a totally different thing. Um, yeah, they're not a little Debbie. The hostess, maybe? Oh, I thought it was a genitalia situation. <laughs> that is a King Dong. Ding Dongs. Oh, Ding, ding Dongs. Yes, <laughs> Ding Dongs. I always thought they were... <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. We might be onto something there. Ding Dongs, okay. The little hockey pucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are Ding Dongs. Ding Dong. Are those, but in the freezer. That's the only way oh, I can yeah. do that. I've been that's I just polished off a box of them uh, last night. Oh, nice! Heck yeah! yeah. I uh, I yeah, I was all about uh, the. We were on welfare, and like little Debbies are like a, they were like a buck for a box, and so that was exactly the kind of treats that we were getting when mom wasn't baking. Okay, yeah, a little baker. Yeah, we were on welfare a little bit. We were getting the uh, every now and then the surprise was the the, the little pie, you know, the hostess pie. Oh, yeah. The cream-filled pie, whatever it was. You could have apple, cherry, or whatever. My favorite was the chocolate. Oh, yeah. Those were the oh, best. Chocolate pudding inside that pastry. Pudding pie. Pudding pie, yeah. Yeah, they had them at our school. You could get them at school lunch, and they had a Ninja Turtles one when I was a kid. Yeah, it, was, this, was the pudding inside like green or orange or yeah, something like that? Yeah, it was like, like a green. It was, I think it was around when The Secret of the Ooze came out. <laughs> yeah. Which was, that was the second Ninja Turtles movie with Vanilla Ice. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Yeah. Go ninja, go ninja, go. That's the one. Mm-hmm. That is the one. Was it? Was Kevin Nash in that? The WWE guy. Oh, he I was in one tell of them. You. I think he might have been Shredder. No way. He was in a Turtles movie. Of Holland Nash. Yeah, he was Diesel back then. Diesel, yeah. And who's who's his partner? Uh, Diesel and he Ramon. Was, uh, Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon. Yeah, when they were Holland Nash, they were the oh, Outsiders, yeah. and they formed the NWO in That's WCW right. back in the day. Yep, and Hulk Hogan eventually came on to him. Wasn't yeah. he in the WWF and then switched over to WCW? Yeah, it was a big deal because big Hulk deal. Hogan was like, I mean, that was the Hulkamania era. He was like a superhero, and then he went over to WCW, and he was still regular. Like, but he was the, a bad guy. But he wasn't a bad guy initially. He was still the yellow and red uh, Hulk Hogan, but he was like thinner, and he shaved his mustache. And then... Hall I am and a Nash. Real American. Yeah, that was the jam. Yeah, that was the days. I used to love. I was a WCW guy. Oh yeah, I I loved them both. Uh, anytime I could watch, so good. I was WCW. I loved Sting. Uh, that because that there was a whole arc with Sting for a while. He'd come down from the rafters. Yeah, he'd be looking up. Where is he? That gave me goosebumps. Yeah, he was like the time. crow. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And then. I switched over to WWF with with uh, when Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was like, "Whoa, what's going on over here? Yeah. Who's this guy? He's he's chugging beers and flipping people off." And and then there was The Rock, and then 
Yeah, there was just that. I just Stone Cold just drew me over. I just fell in love with WWF. That was such a. There's something in your teenage years where you start to go, maybe the bad guys aren't bad guys. Yeah. And Stone Cold Steve Austin was that perfect anti-hero that was like, oh, my parents would hate this guy, but he's still fighting for what he believes in. Yeah. Fuck the man. Yeah. Chug some beers. Yeah, and when I was a teenager, that was about the most rebellious thing I could think of. <laughs> a middle finger and a beer? Yes. Yeah, are you a big wrestling fan? Are you still a wrestling fan? I, I don't watch it a lot these days, uh, but I was super into it until probably about five years ago. I just got started getting too busy yeah. to do it. But I, I actually, I had some encounters with a lot of uh, WWE guys. I once got my uh, hair cut from Brutus the Barber Beefcake in a, a live event. Uh, I did a commercial with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh! Yeah, he was a nice dude. Uh, and CM Punk, uh, I did a storytelling show with him once. Uh, he was really, really, uh, he was a nice guy. Um, I think some people have had different experiences with him, but he was a, he was a oh, nice really? guy to me, yeah. I heard he was a good guy. Yeah. Beef, Bruce the Beefcake Barber, he cut your hair? He did. He cut my hair in the middle of the ring. Uh, he got um, a legend. of a ring? Yeah, in the middle of the wrestling. It was at the Double Door. Really cool venue um, that, like, the Rolling Stones and Smashing Pumpkins have played. It's a, it's a rock and roll venue. Okay. But we were doing this very weird show where they had stand-up comedians, pro wrestling, they had rock bands, burlesque acts, and even, like, a freak show act where there was, like, a dude that lifted heavy things with his nipple rings. Is this all inside of the ring? It's all, like, there was a rock stage okay. and the ring, and things would go back and forth. Okay, that sounds interesting. It was really interesting. Uh, and Brutus, like, he shows up, and, like, it's five in the afternoon. He's already got a beer in his hand, and he's, like, basically drinking very fast between then and 11 o'clock when he took the <laughs> ring. And I, I think there were some painkillers involved uh, now and then. I yeah, how old was bottle. How long ago was this? This was, like, 2013, I think. Okay. So about a decade ago. Okay. Uh, and I remember listening to them because they were backstage and you know pro wrestling I, I hate to break it to you but the the outcomes are predetermined oh no they're not <laughs> and, uh, how dare you how dare you sir i do not believe this well they were going over the finish of the match with a local guy and they wanted the local guy to beat brutus beefcake uh but they were like but you know you're the big name so we'll have him hit you with a chair so that you know it looks like he couldn't have beat you without cheating and brutus gets real upset he goes like let me ask you a question brother and I was like, oh, my God, he talks like this in real life. <laughs> he goes, is this going to be on the YouTube? And I was like, what? He oh. calls it the YouTube? And the the promoter goes, well, well, it won't be on YouTube, but we are streaming it, if that's what you mean. It will be online. And he goes, oh, well, in that case, that's not going to work for me, brother. And he turns to the other guy. He's like, if I lose to this, no offense. <laughs> nobody <laughs> that I'm going to be a laughing stock. And I was like, dude, everybody knows that it's like planned in advance. Like this isn't a secret that has not He's gotten taking out. He's it serious too. <laughs> so serious. And so then the other guy's like, okay, it's fine. I'll lose. It's okay. I don't really care. Uh, but then like, as the night goes on, uh, Brutus's, shall I say, his ability to stand upright seems to start <laughs> diminishing as more beers are going in. <laughs> And the other guy's, like, not comfortable with him anymore. Uh, he's like, so he's not going to wrestle him. He won't do it. Oh, this is before. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the guy's like, I'm going to back out. And then the promoter comes up to me and he goes. Because he didn't want to get injured? or I think that was the case, okay. yeah. And the the promoter comes up to me and he goes, dude, the, like, he's the biggest name that's, like, on the poster. He's the reason people are here. He's got to do something. Uh, so instead of a wrestling match, like, I know you're supposed to do stand-up comedy tonight, Jamie. But instead, could you... Um, would you be willing to interrupt Brutus and then get in the ring, have him put you in the sleeper hold and then give you a haircut? And 
part of me is like, okay, I'm seeing this guy in the corner barely standing, and you're asking me to let him take sharp things to my face? <laughs> but then the child inside me that had watched this guy as Hulk Hogan's tag team partner that had seen him in WrestleManias was like, dude, you cannot say no. You have to do this. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. Bucket list. I get in the ring with him, and he went over like what was going to happen. He puts his arm around me, and he's enormous. And I could just feel that he could just crush my rib cage just by clenching. And he goes, he like, he's like, yeah, so you'll get in the ring, and then I'll put you in the sleeper, and then you'll go down, and I'll cut your hair. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Like that, that was the finish I would have guessed because um, we're not doing a match. <laughs> So he goes out in the ring. Suddenly, he's in the ring, and he's standing just fine. It was almost like he just saved all of his like energy to be out there. And he's talking to the fans, and they have me interrupt him. And I'm like, oh, Brutus, uh, the fans don't want to just see you just stand out there. They want to see some strutting and cutting. They want to see you you know, beat the crap out of some dude and give him the worst haircut of his life. And he's like, well, why don't you come in here, brother? And I was like, no, I'm just a comedian. I certainly couldn't. Uh, get you know in the ring with you, and he's like, no, just I just want to talk. And I get in the ring. He didn't tell me in advance that he was gonna throw punches. And suddenly, I'm standing there in the ring, and a fist the size of a football is flying at my face. And here's the amazing thing: like, first off, if I'd have known that the fists were coming, I would not have been able to sell it. But when a fist does fly at your face, your face goes backwards. You do try to avoid it. So three punches come to me, and my my head just pops back each time. And you know what? I felt the wind from the fist. Not one of them even grazed me. This dude may have been wasted, but as soon as he got in the ring, total pro. He puts me in the sleeper, and I start flailing around. My arms are waving. I'm like, I got to sell this thing. But I forgot that, you know, it's a sleeper. You got to go to sleep. And then he whispers in my ear, he goes, you got to fall asleep sometime, brother. (laughs) (laughs) And so finally I was like, oh, yeah. So I acted like I was groggy. (laughs) And, you know, just gentle as can be. He he just cut off my bangs. Oh, wow. (laughs) And just real nice guy. And I got out of there and was like, you know what? He may have seemed like he was pretty wasted. And he may have been pretty wasted. But he was a total pro in the ring. Totally took care of me. Wow. Yeah, I don't know why that one guy was so nervous. Yeah. Because all you think and read about all these old school wrestlers is that they are professionals in the ring. Yeah. And you think this is the one time he's getting too drunk to do something like that's his livelihood. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think may, maybe he was just kind of rude to the other guy. Maybe the guy was like, you know what? I don't need to do this because of this attitude. Maybe that was it. I don't okay. know. I felt a little like he was getting big timed. Yeah. Maybe. Which maybe, maybe he was, maybe you should get big timed. Yeah. Who was maybe. that guy? Uh, he was a local guy, but he was one of the local go-tos. That, Who is he now? Uh, he's not. Uh, exactly. Uh-oh. Exactly. <laughs> Brutus knew what was up. Right. <laughs> he is the barber. Uh, yeah. Did you see, are, are you a big fan of, um, like, some of those wrestlers have turned turned, kind of comics, I guess, kind of doing some. I actually um, was the MC for the very first Jake the Snake Roberts storytelling show. Oh, wow. How long ago was this? Was this like, at, didn't, is he clean now? He is. Um, like was this during, at least he's was supposed this to be. Kind of? He had cleaned up. He had started, uh, he had been doing like a DDP yoga. Okay, that's Would, around then then. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, this was kind of, I think almost six his like. Six or seven years ago, maybe? Five, yeah, six years ago? It was, I think he might have just gotten into the WWE Hall of Fame. Okay. And like that was the deal, I think, for him to get into the Hall of Fame. They're like, you got to be cleaned up and, and have it together. We can't have you cracked out given your acceptance speech right (laughs) 
So, yeah, he came to the venue and, uh, like, in advance, he brought another, like, an indie wrestler that was kind of the middle act. And that was me and another uh, Chicago-based comic at the time, a guy named Ricky Gonzalez. And uh, it was really cool to watch him, like, tell these stories. And some of them were from, like, moments that I remember watching as a kid, like when uh, he and Macho Man were uh, wrestling. He said Macho Man was nuts. And they did a a segment where he brought out a, a cobra. And the cobra was supposed to bite into Macho Man. And Macho Man was paranoid. He hates snakes. He's so afraid of them, right? Well, he also doesn't trust anybody. He would, he he thought that, like, maybe Jake the Snake was going to give him a really venomous snake and just kill him in the ring to take his top spot. And he made Jake uh, the Snake show him getting bit by the snake backstage before they ever actually did it out there in public. <laughs> and so Jake's like, fine. And the the snake sinks its fangs into his arms. And then he's like, is that good? And he goes to walk off and Macho Man goes, no, brother, sit down. How do I know you don't got an antidote somewhere? <laughs> I'm going to have to watch you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wonder if maybe like in a past life, he was like some king from way back in the day. It was just, that's why he's so paranoid. Someone's always going to try to assassinate him with, you know, maybe you had someone like always drink his creatine before him. Oh, yeah. You've got to be the, the king's <laughs> yeah. tester. Yeah, the tester. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's something in his lineage that made him so paranoid about that. It might be. His his dad uh, was a dude named Angelo Poffo that had the world record for doing the most sit-ups in a row. I don't remember how Randy's many he did. Macho Man's dad? Yeah. His dad was uh, Angelo Poffo, and yeah, that, that's all that I really know about him. He was a pro wrestler that ran his own, like, uh, it was called an outlaw territory because, like, they used to have the territories that, like, had, like, this knowledge that was like, this is your area, and you don't compete with this other area of America. Is so wrestling were, for wrestling? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah like, okay. back before it was nationwide. Right. And he ran an outlaw territory that was like, I don't care what your rules are. I'm going to compete with these other areas and it doesn't matter. Whoa. And so, yeah, they were called an outlaw promotion. And they just go wherever and step on other people's turf. Yeah, which I guess you got you to gotta be tough to do that because, I mean, these they're are big dudes. They're big dudes that, like, old school, it was like the Wild West, like mafioso. Like, they, they take you out to the woods uh, with a gun, and then people be like, I don't know, he's a touring athlete, so I guess maybe he is touring somewhere else. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, because that's her livelihood. Yeah. Where did wrestling? Where, wrestling. Where did wrestling? It sounds like, it seems to me like it probably did start in Florida. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like the, if you look at, like there's some documentaries out there that like old school, the first like professional wrestling matches were not predetermined, but then these guys would go in and they would literally go at it for hours and it was the most boring sport on the planet. Because, like, they're just, like, holding each other in a headlock and refusing to let go for three hours. And it's like, we paid five bucks and just kind of watched dudes hug aggressively. Oh, was was there gambling on it? Or did they, was it always, it wasn't fixed? It was, they just kind of... Initially, it wasn't. And then I think some, like, carnival promoters, because it was really attached to carny stuff. Oh, that makes and I think so much sense. They realized, like, oh, we can, if this is a show, we can take bets and we can make it and so much more interesting. And, uh, we can fix it and make it entertaining. Wow. I need to get more into that. There's a, Are you familiar? And I'm not, but I. are you familiar with the local 
wrestling thing they have here. There's like a little indie wrestling. I'm not league. Particular. What would, what would you call that? A uh, promotion, I guess. Uh, independent federation. Uh, an independent wrestling organization. Okay. There. Yeah. There is some kind of local thing, and they do stuff. I want to say on Wednesdays, perhaps. I could be wrong. I just heard about it when I was at Boulevardia. Uh, that heart. Do you know who Hartzell is? He's a radio personality. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, he's a nerd when it comes to wrestling and Star Wars. But um, and I think he was mentioning something about there's like an independent wrestling thing here in Kansas City. Maybe. Uh, hey, uh, Charles, what's that place down? By the police station, uh, uh, downtown, midtown area, as a concert hall. Sometimes not the memorial. What do they call that? Some, uh, Truman? No. It's on the Paseo, I think. It's on the Paseo by the kind of by the police in between, like. Oh, you talking about off of? Uh, in between Main and Seventy One. I think that might be where they do. Is it just an Aldi? Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Do you know the name of that place? It's not. Not the police station, but that it's beer. It's it's an event center, like where they do concerts and stuff. They'll have fights there. Not the Midland. Not is it the Truman? Maybe. No. Is it the High V Arena? No, that's no, that's that's the bottoms. That's the West Bombs. Ah, whatever. I think it's down there, but I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the local. Uh, but when I was in um, in, in Chicago, like I like would do some things here and there for a bunch of independent promotions. I had a podcast once, and they wanted me because I was hosting a podcast about wrestling to come in and be a guest referee. And oh, nice. Paul Bearer was there. Oh, wow. They brought him in. And he was the guest manager for a local wrestler, and they did a casket match. And I wasn't really like, I'm not a trained pro wrestling referee, but they had me put on the referee jersey and go outside of the ring. And I was like the outside of the ring ref that like when they got the guy into the coffin and closed the coffin, I was like, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Uh, The match is over. Two days later, Paul Bearer died. I was a referee in his last live appearance. Wow. Wow. Did you get a picture with him? I, I did not. He was not somebody that wanted to talk to anybody. Because he probably knew he yeah, was about I, to die. Oh, I thought that he was going to die because there's just this little area to walk from the wrestling ring to the curtain. And after the match, all he did was he stood on the edge of the of the ring. He didn't even like get into the ring. He just walked probably, I don't know, 20 yards. And then the, the match was over and he walked back. And as soon as he gets behind the curtain, he had to stop. And for about 20 minutes, he's just there catching his breath. And I remember watching him and going, oh, he's going to die soon. Like, that's not healthy at all. Ooh. And sure enough, two sure days later, yeah, I called the shot for sure. Damn. It was wild. Wow. What was your wrestling podcast? Oh, I think it was just called 100 Proof Wrestling. And uh, we basically were kind of sponsored by, uh, they were called Pro Wrestling Blitz. I'm not even sure if they're still around, but they were out of, a promotion out of Joliet, and um, we would talk about, like, we would just review, like, an old pay-per-view and talk about that and then promote the upcoming Blitz okay. pay-per-view. Nice. Um, well, you have been here for six years, you said, in Kansas City? Yeah, here since uh, 2016. I don't know, the, the, the lockdown lasted eight years, so I'm not sure what the real math is now. 
Yeah. How do you like it here? I love Kansas City. Where do you live? Uh, I live near the Legends out okay. there on the KCK side, but I perform constantly in in the KCMO area, like um, uh, a lot of like places like the Bird Comedy Theater and the Kick Comedy Theater, um, and just kind of all over this area. But I go out on the road somewhat regularly. At least I did before the lockdown, and I'm hoping to, to take Big Dad Energy back on tour next nice. year. And every time I'm out there, like. I love visiting other cities, meeting other places, and seeing other cultures. But I look forward to coming back to uh, to Kansas City. I I just I love that there is this sensibility of like people in KC want to take care of each other. Uh, there's a kindness in this city. Sure, there there yeah. there's a lot of you you can find the opposite of that anywhere. Sure. You know? Oh no, Kansas's got a small town feel to it for sure. With, with the accessibility of a big city, you still right. have all the things that you want, uh, but there's still this this community feeling, and I love yeah. that about this place. Um, and, and Kansas City tries to take care of of it of itself and and of each other, and uh, it kind of shows up and is proud of the things that are being created here. And I love that about this city. Uh, I saw that you have a a bunch of YouTube stuff that you try to make little shorts, and like, your latest one, Jeff Shartz. Oh yeah, I is? did that during the last election. I was like, I want to create a political candidate that is, like is not a political video at all. It's just this guy would be a terrible political candidate. Was, you got some funny stuff on there. I wish you had oh, a lot more views. Maybe it's because you got a namesake that's too close to that. Yeah, that, that might that be it. Guy. It's true. A lot yeah. of times I'll put them out on a Facebook or okay. something else. And so that's, that's so where most fun. of my okay. views are. It's so funny. You got some really funny stuff on there. Like, oh, thanks. I'm a, I consider myself like a tough nut to crack. Like, I don't just audibly laugh too easily oh, right but on. you got some shit on there like and i'm like i can't believe i laughed at that but i did <laughs> <laughs> my humor is like so stupid how did i laugh at that but it's funny that's why uh, yeah i think it's like the older i get the more i just lean into dumb stuff because uh, i'm not mad about too much anymore when i was younger my comedy was a little more angsty uh, a little more aggressive and now i'm like life's pretty good for me you know i got a good i got a, nice, a decent house i've got a uh, a wife, like I feel like I'm in a great relationship. Nice. Things are positive. I'm I'm not worried that I'm not going to be able to eat next week, which or uh, early on in my comedy career there was a lot of that, you know. And so things are good. So now I can just lean into the silly. Were you a road dog, like just constantly traveling and doing stand up sets all over these small gigs throughout the I'll, Midwest or country? Or? I, did, I I toured all over the country on Greyhound buses. Like I I a lot of really? my really, but yeah, most of my gigs were a door split. And so I couldn't really afford travel. Like if I was to fly, it'd be like, well, there's the money from the gig. It just went to the airline. Now I can't eat. So I would take a Greyhound bus from city to city. And usually when I was going to a venue, I was like, is there somebody that is like performs regularly there that would let me crash on their couch? And so I just sleep on a stranger's couch because I didn't want to take hotel fees out of what I was making because I was just making enough a lot of times just to get to the next city. Wow. What's the motivation behind that? Um, there's this That's feeling when you have a big crowd of people and you can make them laugh and, and you can't get that feeling from anything else. And I, I just, I was like, if the fact that somebody in another city wants to bring me there, that was exciting to me um, and, and validating. Now I have a, a car and I uh, have enough <laughs> like other writing gigs kind of on the side that mm. I, I'm not stressed out. Even if I go to another city and the gigs not paying, like I can, or, or not paying a ton I can still get a hotel and I'm going to be uh, okay. So, so life's a lot better now, but I think you got to go through those, those growing pains. They call it paying your dues. And right. I feel like I paid those. No kidding. Did you have any, uh, 
people that you started out with that you were traveling with or did you have like a uh, a couple friends that you kind of helps keep you motivated and in into this like let me i mean the chicago comedy scene itself is full of so many talented people i'll go back i used to to do a, a stand-up showcase and an open mic every monday in chicago and i'll go back and i kept all the open mic lists and i'll see people that were from that, that were doing those shows or uh that were you know um on the open mic list and uh, a lot of times it was the book shows too, though, and where they're at now, I'm like, wow, I was in this club of killers there. People like uh, Cameron Esposito, who's had a bunch of her specials. Uh, people like Beth Stelling, uh, who's had some major specials. Uh, River Butcher was part of that scene. Uh, and, what a name. Right? <laughs> and uh, there are, I mean, there are so many other, uh, Chris Red, who's uh, become a huge name. He's on Saturday Night Live now and and doing a bunch of movies and things of that nature. Um, also Alex Moffat was part of that scene. It's insane. Like I could sit here and make you a huge list of all the people that were part of that, uh, early Chicago comedy scene, Megan Gailey, Kenny DeForest, um, just other names, like people that have gotten either onto Saturday night live or gotten their own comedy specials or are writing for big programs. And that scene is something that you you can fail in Chicago because nobody's out there scouting you. So you can do stuff that totally tanks and then the next day try something different. Okay. And you will never get that false positive. The audience is not laughing if it ain't funny. <laughs> and and so to to make it to where you're successful and and one of the the consistently booked comics in that scene, you've got to put in the work and to me it was that entire scene that kind of shaped me. Uh, I, I would never want to relive it. It's exhausting. Yeah. Because you're constantly like, where am I at? Uh, am I going to lose my spot if I'm not getting booked? What else do I have to do to get noticed? <clears throat> and you can only sustain that for so long. It's such a great training ground. Um, and now I feel like I'm doing art on my own terms and things okay. are great. Do you do, you do some things around here? Like, are you perform? do you do open mics and stuff like that? Or like just to kind of, yeah, I'm going to be actually starting an open mic at the end of August at the bird comedy theater uh, with my friend Geneva Copeland. We're going to be, uh, running that every Thursday night starting August 25th. Where's the bird? It is in the crossroads. It's in the old Hemingway building, basically 19th and Baltimore. Uh, if you know where uh, Matilda's is, it's, a. Uh, just right down oh, from that. Oh, yep, 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 yep. Okay. It just opened up, a, I want to say about six I months go, ago. There's a, a Bear Me Thai. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right around there. Oh, I love that place. Oh, nice. Oh. I love good Thai. Have you been there? I've not been to that one. I went to Lulu's. Fire. One time. Eh. And I, oh, I made the mistake of uh, getting a dish that was too hot. And, <laughs> and I was, uh, this was like years ago. And I was on a date. Like, I just moved to Kansas City and I was on a date. And I got uh, something that was way too hot. And I'm trying to play it cool. <laughs> Oh, but very quickly I was like, "Can oh, I just get this to go?" Oh, it, it ruined it. It was, it was a terrible move. Oh my gosh! Uh, there's another place called Waldo Thai. Oh yeah. Oh my! If you like Thai food, that place that might be one of the one of the better restaurants in Kansas City. Really, I think. Waldo Thai. It is so good. It's like authentic. They got like all kinds. It's not just like oh, here's hot curry. They got all kinds of stuff. Um, Yes, I'm really. I, I'm a dumpling. Oh I'm yeah, I'm a dumpling slut. They got some amazing dumplings. There. Wow, they'll ask you to leave the restaurant with what uh, you're they doing. Did, with they them. did. Oh wow, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what do you like? Uh, are you a foodie, a drinker? What do you uh, What do you like to do uh, on your free time yeah. when you're not writing BDE jokes? Right. I, I do like to go to um, like local microbreweries. Um, oh, I nice. enjoy that. 
Uh, there are some, the amount of just little bitty craft breweries that have started popping up all over the place. Like, I don't know if you've been to Service. Uh, I don't know, I think it's in Shawnee. Some of the flavors that they have, um, they, they get really aggressive with just some of the ingredients that they're throwing in. And I think that they don't even, like, have a signature series of beers. I think they're just like, we made this batch, and then we're going to try something else. So just everything is limited. Artisan. Yeah. Uh, I like City Barrel. I've been out there recently. Yeah, that's a cool spot. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, That's one of my favorites. Torn Label's great. Uh, Of course, Boulevard. Right. We have no shortage of really good beer around here. Because there was a, a while... I think it's died off a little bit, but I'd say seven, no, 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 nine to 12 years ago, there was like, at least in Kansas City, a big home brewing boom. Oh, really? Big time. I mean, I was, I was in, I've got a whole, I, I, I got a whole brewery in my garage, basically. Wow, just all the equipment sitting everything, out there? I, everything. I, yeah, I can keg it up and pour it in draft, like, Yeah. Um, but I haven't done it in years. I was part of that boom. And then, but during that boom, you know, a lot of people took it really, really next level. And now you see, yeah, city barrel was a place that popped up the torn label. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of places in the crossroads that I can't even name. Yeah. But yeah, there's so many cinder block. Um, that's a good spot. Yeah. We got great beer here in yeah, Kansas City. I'm, I'm going to look drinker. up because there's a, another one. Uh, have you had Joko Juice? Joko Juice? Yeah. What the hell is is that beer? It is. It's a local <laughs> hazy. Uh, okay. Uh, that is brewed out in Johnson County. Uh, that sounds like that sounds like uh, a dude would sell on the on the back of his four wheeler. Yeah, it's well, lim- <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? It does. It's great though. It's limitless brewing, uh, uh, and it's. Uh, Joko juice itself is a, it's, it's like a juicy. I juicy want the IPA. Wyandotte juice, Charles. I want Wyandotte <laughs> juice. That's where the dude's on the back of a four wheeler. He's out here. I got, I got, I got dimes, nickels, and Wyandotte juice. We got purple stuff, yeah. Wyandotte yeah. juice. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got drink, <laughs> purple drink, Wyco juice. What you want? <laughs> we got acid for all you people from the nineties. Yeah, if you're going to Disney World, you got to get this. It's the only thing you can sneak on the bus. I have a similar story. Uh, first time I tried acid. Oh yeah, for it was the first time I tried. Uh, Mom and dad, if you're listening to this, turn it off right now. And okay, you're good. And you turn it off. Okay. Uh, it was the first time I tried acid, mushrooms, cocaine, and rip fuel. Remember rip fuel? Oh yeah, rip fuel was uh, like at GNC. Yeah. Uh, which I almost confused it for the Dollar Tree energy drink, Rip It. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> rip Fuel, yeah. That was back when ephedra was legal. Yeah. And that Rip Fuel would, like, you would you would get, uh, it was just like doing legal cocaine. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was legal math, man. That was, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I took all of that in one night, and that was my first time going to Worlds of Fun, which is like oh, our, yeah. you know, our amusement park. Yeah. Wild time. I was I in one of those wild 90s kids, too. It was just fucking wild. I look back at that, and I'm like, what was I? Like, I can't believe, you know, I, you, I'm sure you probably look back at your life and like, how am I still alive now? Oh, absolutely. Just some of the dumb stuff that I did. I I, I don't know how I'm uh, I'm still here. Yeah, the, the 90s was a, we. there's something, I think maybe it's everybody has a, this age where you feel like your life is consequence-free. You're going to live forever. I'm uh, invincible. Yeah, absolutely. Now I uh, get scared uh, to to twist my back slightly 
because it you ever could... sneeze wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sorry I can't come out tonight. I sneezed wrong, and now I'm stuck in my chair. I slept funny. Yeah, what does that even mean? I slept funny becomes a legitimate excuse. Like, oh yeah, I get it. You can't literally move your neck to the left. Yeah, so, sorry I can't go to the event that we've been planning for months. I am in a slight amount of pain, and I'm not sure why. Yeah. And of course, and now if you really want, you can we've got the millennials that are, you know, like you said, are easy saying things that mental health and all that stuff is on the forefront. Now you're just like, I know we've been planning it for months, but I, uh, I'm having a panic attack. I just feel a little too anxious tonight. I'm going to stay in. Yeah. Oh man. It's and you a, have to accept it. This is a great era for introverts. It really yeah. is. Cause you can be like, I just need to set a boundary and my boundary yep, is you. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I need you to respect that boundary. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm a true introvert, but I definitely have some introvert tendencies, but I can also be outgoing and I can kind of do the outgoing thing, but I really have to force myself. Yeah. I'm an extroverted introvert. Like, yeah, there we go. If I'm at an event where like I need to meet people, it's important to network. Like I can make myself do that, but it's almost like I have to be playing a character. That's a heightened version of me. I got to get hyped up for it. And then I'm done for the rest of the day. When I get home, I'm depleted. Spent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so do you bring some of your characters out, you know, your acting characters out when you're doing that kind of thing? Uh, Like, how much of your characters are are you and those characters? Because I just, you have a personality when you're acting that just comes out. It does. It's And it is, it's heightened version. It's sort of like this. Um, And I, this is not how I talk in a typical conversation. But when I'm out there doing stand-up, I'm talking like this. Why? I don't know. It just makes people want to laugh a little bit more. If I'm talking like this, I'm less threatening. I'm a big guy with broad shoulders. If if I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm talking like this, people might think that like, oh, maybe this guy's going to throw some bows. But but if I'm like this, then we're not threatened. We can laugh about whatever's going on. And I found that that helps a little bit. Almost very like... uh... Eric Stone Street type. I get, yeah, I've gotten that comparison quite a I bit. I never thought about that until just now, but yeah, you probably do get that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I get that quite a bit. I get more of just like, I, I yeah, maybe because that's our era, but like late 90s TV dad-ish kind of Nickelodeon dad too, or yeah, type kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. From what you put out there. I, w- I would love to, I would love to, to have that show. Um, they, they should give it to me. Uh, Big Dad Energy could be the name of the show. I don't know. Nickelodeon might go, well, that seems to be a pun for something else. Um, yeah. More of a, I don't know, YouTube thing. Maybe you can yeah. make like a, you, do you have plans of turning your, uh, the BDE show into something more after that, after you're done, done with it, I would say. Yeah. Well, when, when we finish at Fringe, the, the, the KC Fringe audience is going to help kind of shape what the show looks like as I take it on tour. Okay. You know, whatever works. And it, it, I'm not looking for them to come up to me after the show and go like, here's my feedback. <laughs> I've got some notes. <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to know where the laughs are uh, because I'll have heard them. Um, but like, that's going to help shape the show that I take on tour. And I, I would like to, to kind of take the. The, the personality and the idea kind of behind that show and, and put together a sitcom pilot. I do a lot of screenwriting. I've actually got a short thriller that's being shot in the UK oh, wow. uh, here in August. Uh, I'm really excited about. And uh, I have a feature screenplay that uh, has, has gotten, uh, it, it's won a bunch of like film festivals um, in their screenplay competitions. And I've had a few producers show interest, but right now it's still available. And I'm hoping that, that somebody will want to make that. But uh, I, I, want to take the the screenwriting skills that I've, I'm working on, 
and combine them and try to create a vehicle for myself. Um, so yeah, maybe a web series might be how it starts. Yeah. And then that way then I can pitch maybe a full sitcom. <clears throat> there you go. Or maybe it'll just be super successful as a web series somewhere. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would love that. Then just, you know, we don't have to get a studio involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cut or out the middleman. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. You be the middleman. Heck yeah. Be the big man. Yeah, I'd big like to be the middleman, depending on what is on either side. Oh, hey. Well, you Uh-oh. just got married. You better have a No, that's not what I meant. That's oh, not what I meant. that's what I meant. <laughs> what I meant is her, her left arm is on the left side uh-huh. and her right arm is on the right side and she's standing behind me. Yeah, what do they call that? That's not spooning. It's something else. Pegging. <laughs> nope, <I'm> pe- <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're taking BDE on the road after this? Yeah, I, I haven't lined up all the dates, so if there's a, a city or a venue somewhere that you... Uh, are interested in, uh, let me know. I'm basically going to take a little bit of break after August because I've been spending all this time putting the show together, promoting the show, and then probably uh, maybe a a sprinkling of dates in the fall. And then 2023, I'll probably go to some other fringe festivals in the U.S. and then a lot of independent venues. There's fringe festivals all over. Of course there are. All over the place, yeah. Jamie, this was a lot of fun. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I'll let you have this time here to say what you'd like, pimp yourself out, you know, do say whatever you'd like, where people can find you, how you want people to contact you and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, first off, I, I want to see, especially if you're in Kansas City, I want to see you at Big Dad Energy at the KC Fringe Festival. Just go to kcfringe.org. And if you're like, I, I just want to know more about Jamie, just go to jamiecampbellcomedy.com. There are links there to all my social medias. Uh, you know, you can follow me on the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter. We can link in. Uh, we can do that uh, if that's if that's your jam. Um, and Only then, fans? yeah. And if, if you're in another city, contact me. What's that? Only fans. Only fans. Yeah. You got to get on my only fans. Um, it is, uh, it's, just, uh, it's a lot of upper thigh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's all I'm allowed to show, but it's, it's, it's just a hairy upper thigh. If that is your thing, it's not even mine really. It's just, uh, but you can't tell, you can't tell you whose it no is. Idea. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, it's all watermarked, so you, you can't. <laughs> you know, proprietary, uh, content, but yeah, just find that. And, and if you're in another city and you're listening and you're like, ah, we, we got to bring you out, please contact me. Cause I, I'm looking for those, uh, those venues as we solidify the dates for next year's tour. That's right, baby. Uh, Neanderthal podcast is internationally known. That's it, everybody. Bye. Bye.